step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and folks, 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 the Nashville Predators are in the playoffs. They they did so over the weekend with a win over the Carolina Hurricanes. They're opponents in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they're in. You, you get in, anything can happen. We'll discuss that in the second segment about what we think about the, the matchup. But the big story that I know has been ruling this week is Pecorine in his big 5 nothing victory on Monday evening and what could potentially be his final game that we don't know in the playoffs. Obviously, Yusuf Saros is the number one goaltender going into the playoffs. We could see Pecorini. Maybe if Saros is a bad game, there's an injury or something like that. But you have to treat it like a hero send-off because you don't know if that's going to be his last. And the Predators won Saturday, giving Pecorini the chance to come in into a game that they did not have to win. But you can tell they did everything possible to win. And Glenn, we'll just start off with, I know not everyone was able to be there. It's been a weird season where folks that are typically at every home game during the season Mm -hmm. haven't been able to experience that. So a lot of folks had to watch from home. Uh, What was your experience in watching this and and reading the moments, obviously, as you're scrolling through social media and then watching the game and seeing the reaction to so many different things? Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people that normally would have been at that game. Um, And there was a part of me that was like, man, I really want to be there. But if you would have seen the, my face after all was said and done, you, I, I wouldn't have wanted to have been seen, to be honest, because I'm an, I'm, I am an emotional person. I think a lot of people that know me know that. And that was one of the more powerful things that just me being involved with this team for the last 10 years that I've experienced. Um, I mean, what a game, what a win. And I think it's so difficult to, for, to hear people say after, you know, what well, was a meaningless game points wise right but that just sounds gut-wrenching because there was nothing about that that was meaningless Um, because we all know what Pecorine has been to this team and to the city he's never just been a fantastic hockey player for the Predators Um, he has continued year after year to be a person of character somebody that takes such pride in the city that he lives in and he shows it in how he gives back Um, And even on his most impressive nights on the ice where he made saves and he moved in ways that nobody thought was possible, he remained and still remains so incredibly humble. Um, I mean, his talent, no question. That's easy for everybody in the league to see that. But what the people of Nashville have gotten to see over the last decade is who he is. And I know it's because of who he is that so many people like me became very emotional during that possible send-off. Um, when you have such a light of a person like Pekka who brings so much to those around him, I think it's just very difficult for people to try to grasp that being gone from the locker room. Um, so it just, it was very, very powerful to see. Um, like I said, I mean, the hockey stats, the records, they those speak for themselves. But I think what we all here in Nashville were lucky enough to, to be able to appreciate over the last decade is just what he brought to the city when he wasn't playing a game. And I think that's what everybody was kind of mourning, if you will, or emotional about um, during that possible last send off was because it's all of it. It's him as a whole that, that people are just so connected to. Now, I think you nailed it right there too. It's his legacy and legacy is taking everything into account, not just on ice, but everything has a person, has meaning to the community, everything. That's legacy right there. Uh, so you, you hit it right there, too. And, I mean, just to go over some of the stats, I mean, with that win, 60th shutout, mm-hmm. which 
is one of three active goaltenders to have 60 shutouts. Uh, he With wins, he ties Tom Barrasso for 19th overall in the history of the league for wins as a goaltender and did it in less games. Uh, so there's a lot of these different stats, too. You throw out there at Pecorino what he's done. And uh, let me let me get real with people real quick before I get emotional and sensitive. Let me, let me get real. I've seen some polls out there of people saying, should Pecorino get a start in the playoffs? And people are like, yes, or only if Saros gets injured, things like that. Pecorino is only going to get a start in the playoffs if Yusuf Saros has an abysmal game or lets in a bunch of early goals and they need a change up or if there's an injury or something like that you don't do a 1a 1b in the playoffs it's just not how it rolls people it's not going to be like oh well Charles did well in the first two games so we're going to go ahead and put Pecorino in for the third no no you only change things up if things are going poorly and the th- way I see the series going Eustace Charles could play out of his mind and they still might lose a game I don't see him right now because he's been super consistent Unless something weird happens, Saros is going to be in that net. So I hope you appreciated it while it was there, folks, because it really could be. He might come back for another season, which I'd like to see, which I still think I'd like to see. I'd like to see a true farewell season for him and go in there knowing that so people can truly appreciate it and not know because it could have been games earlier this season where it might have slipped people's minds of, wait a second, this could be his last season. Oh, no, I better really soak this in. Or there's the, the awkward moment, like Matt Duchesne said, it's like, oh, this is kind of awkward because we're just going to do this again in game 82 next year, <laughs> which I thought was fantastic. Uh, Matt Duchesne with some great comments about Pecorine uh, and how just certain guys just transcend everything. And Pecorine is one of those guys. Uh, but the way that the team came out, especially playing with seven rookies, uh, yes, the Carolina Hurricanes also played, uh, also scratched a bunch of their stars as well. But the National Predators came out and played for Pekka. Whether they were a rookie or a veteran out there, they played for Pekka. And you could tell, and Pekka played for Pekka. I mean, he played a fantastic game. He was challenged. It's not like the Hurricanes made it easy on him to get that win like that. And then how it was just a natural thing for the team to stay out there and to cheer on Pekka, to give him his his swan song. Uh, taking a lap and Richardson encouraging him to take a lap and the, the scratches, the veteran scratches that came out, they were getting a, a night off, even came out to congratulate him, understanding the moment what it could be and that he has not made any concrete decisions. And I truly believe that he has not made any concrete decisions, but he he knows it could be. It depends on how he feels in a few weeks. That's where I could see in his face and reading body language that he is truly at um, a fork in the road. Yeah. that he does not know yet. He knows that he could take either path and be happy and be okay but there's the competitor in him that you can tell still wants to play because yeah. it's not like he's looking like he's completely lost it, especially in a backup role. Pecorino could play 20 games next season and he could be well refreshed and everything and do really well in those 20 games next season with Saros as the starter. And that'd be a great swan song to yeah. be able to come in and still play, be a mentor, knowing it's your last season as well and contribute because if he contributes and you never know, maybe the team makes a run next year. Uh, and so that would be that would be great as well. But one of the things I wanted to do too, uh, before we have to get to our next segment, is share favorite memories. I know everybody starts posting pictures and things like that. I have, I think, one picture of me just with Pecorine, and that is from 2011 at Nash Vegas when I wasn't even media yet. It's when they wore those white alternate jerseys, mm-hmm. and you could tell there have been some drinks. <laughs> <laughs> and he but he was smiling just like Pecorine smiles and he looks so young you think that's 10 years ago we both look very young uh, I was wearing a three-piece suit <laughs> in oh, there and everything and uh it was that I met you I yes I it was yeah absolutely uh so that was that was a fun memory too but my favorite memory and I'll ask you for yours too Glenn is whenever it'd be like, especially the beginning of the season and they're having a practice at Centeno Sportsplex and there's a lot more space there sometimes, uh, especially if they're splitting up into groups and you're going to talk to Pecorino and he actually asks how you are and invites you to sit down next to him. And I've said this on multiple shows, but I want to make sure every single person understands how good he was with media and how welcoming he was and how much he truly appreciated and listened and understood and got to know people is that he wouldn't, every once in a while, you want to sit down? Instead of having an awkward moment where he's sitting down, looking up at you, crooking his neck, and you're pointing down with a video camera recorder trying to interview him, he invites you to sit down next to him to put you on the equal playing field, to mm-hmm. treat you as an equal and as another person. And and that's what was always cool about him, it is cool about him, sorry, yeah. no, I won't say was, is cool about him, is the way he treats people. 
whether it's fans or media or photographers or whatnot, he has a consistent reputation of being good with people and taking the time to appreciate people. And I mean, I know it's one of those things I'll talk it as a media person, but you know, the hockey players as a media person, you know, their names, but you don't always expect them to know your name. Mm-hmm. And so it's a nice feeling when they're like, Hey, Justin. And yeah, I mean, maybe that's me being silly or weird, but it does mean something. It means that whether they they asked about you or they read your credential and made sure to put it in a memory to know that you're a person too, that means a lot. And I think that's one thing that makes Nashville a little unique too, because I that can't be. It's probably the case with beat reporters that are mm-hmm. at every single practice and every single thing. But online media, radio media, we can't be at every single game or every single practice. I'm at most games, but it can't be at every practice. So for him to take the time to just learn things about people is is truly great. And to see him smile, I have so many gifts from videos I've recorded yeah. of him and the Pecorine smile that I, I will cherish by having those gifts in my library of him just smiling or when he made a sexy eyes at the camera. <laughs> the one time is one of my favorite gifts of all time of him. Glenn, we have about two minutes left. So I want to give you an opportunity to share one of your favorite memories. Um, that's kind of tough to narrow down because there have been, there've been a handful of instances where, you know, I'm not, um, with the actual media, but there have been plenty of instances where, you know, there's, we're all in the same kind of circle, right? It's the national predators. You're going to these events, you know, people that know some of these players and you're, you're in these rooms with them, whether it's at Bridgestone at, like you said, Nash Vegas. Um, and Pekka was always, just like you said, in the media sense, he was always so kind and he, I feel like, like you said, he makes notes to remember. Like he's cognizant enough of the fact of like, let me make sure this person knows that they're just, they're important. And he did that with everybody. And so, I mean, there's been so many times where he might just say a one-liner or something and make me laugh. I remember when I first um, met him, I talked about something and he was like, <laughs> he said something about, somebody was talking about age. And I said, well, I'll just leave my age out of it. And he looked at me and he goes, Glenn, age is nothing but a number. And that was it. And it was just like, that actually is the Pecorino <laughs> mentality because yeah. look at him. And he's, he's still one of the most athletic, flexible people of his age. And it's just, it's fascinating, but that's his mindset. Um, but also another memory that I wasn't tied to, but it happened was at Bridgestone, when the puck got lost in his pads, I forget who they played yes, that night, yes. but that is every so often, maybe once every couple of years, I might go back and watch that video because it is hilarious. I know it was frustrating at the time because you could see the frustration of just like, no, really, where's the puck? But when you look back on it, that was a pretty humorous situation. It was very memorable. Um, and that one will always, that one will always give me a good laugh. So oh, when I was doing my gift theme on Monday night, it was all Pecorine gifts. That mm-hmm. was one of those ones that popped up. There are a couple of different <laughs> angles from when the putt got stuck in his pants and it took it was, a long time to find it too. It was so good. Like you, you just assumed while you're there, you're like, oh, like 10 seconds go by. You're like, well, yeah. clearly it's going to fall out. And then more time kept passing and we're like, is this really happening? It's really <laughs> happening. Oh, I, I, oh, I remember that. It was, yeah. oh, that was, was awesome. Gold. That, was, that gold. was gold. That was absolute gold. That is one of those things that I'm sure he remembers to talk with him once he does officially retire, whether it's this year, next year, even beyond that too, to look back at some of those fun stories, not always about the hockey saves or the big saves mm-hmm. or big wins, things like that, but unique things that people remember just like that, the puck getting stuck. That is fantastic. Yep. Okay. Up next, let's give a playoff preview. We'll give our predictions on what we think. Some people may say, well, you're not a no, you're not a believer. We'll try to be real. We'll try to believe a little bit. We'll give our viewpoints up next on the Predators versus Carolina Hurricanes. Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 102.5 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio again, ESPN, 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. All right, the National Predators officially facing off against the Carolina Hurricanes. And what is set to be, I think, a pretty decent and potentially really fun matchup in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Now, (laughs) 
going into the week last weekend, the Predators were 0-6 against the Carolina Hurricanes. They obviously got two against them in Saturday and Monday's win. I don't really like to count Monday's win as a preview of anything just because nothing was on the line between these two teams mm-hmm. for the Nashville Predators, and even though they went out and won. Carolina Hurricanes still had a shot at the President's Trophy, but I think they are content with winning the number one overall in the Central, uh, especially when you see what they rested. But it showed, too, the Predators were able to adjust and adapt on Saturday, especially to get the win when they needed to, to play against Carolina, to disrupt Carolina's game in what they've done so successfully against the Nashville Predators uh, all season. The Carolina Hurricanes are obviously extremely talented. They're very fast. They also have guys that can get under your skin. They have extremely skilled forwards they have a very solid defense and they almost have a goaltending situation that they could put any of those three in net and they could still get them wins but i I still probably think it's going to be nadelkovic in there when we look at this series overall it's obvious the carolina hurricanes are a favorite but there's obvious reason to believe the predators could force something with this team given the way they've been playing to close out the season. The Predators have been very good at hockey. Yusuf Saros has been very, very good in the crease uh, at a Vezina pace had he probably stayed healthy and started off the season at this pace as well. Uh, You have other factors that play into this as well on the downside as the Predators' special teams took a hit, especially with injuries to Ellie Tolvanen and Philip Forsberg. See if that can get back in the swing of things, especially having a week off for both these teams to get healthy. See what that could mean. Uh, but the Predators' power play has to make a difference, uh, and their penalty kill has to continue to to ramp it up. And granted, they dug themselves such a deep hole in the early part of the season, Glenn, that it was difficult to get out of there. But the Predators' penalty kill is still at 75.4%, whereas the Carolina Hurricanes' power play is at 25.6%. And the opposite end, the Predators' power play is 176 uh, whereas the penalty kill for the Hurricanes at 85.2. So it's it's a matchup that obviously most things favor the Carolina Hurricanes, but it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. I just kind of ran it down for you. Share your thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, Justin, you covered most of it, but there is there is the underdog story here. There's all, you know, oftentimes there is going to be an underdog story, but not just an underdog story. Like we've talked about here week after week, Um, the last couple of months, I mean, the Predators are playing good hockey. So the reality is, is that it doesn't matter if the Hurricanes on paper are deeper, they're higher in the standings, you know, their numbers down the stretch are, are beyond what the Predators have, you know, produced this season. The Predators are still a good hockey team. And so if this gets to a scenario where they drag this series out and it's contingent on that last, <laughs> that last game seven, the Nashville Predators are fully capable of pulling out a win. Now, I mean, some might say that I'm just being optimistic. Some might think that I'm delusional, but that is the reality of it, right? Um, Carolina will more than likely win this series and go on to round two, but to, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of people just saying, it's just impossible. There's no way that the Predators can win. And, and maybe that's how you feel, but that's not entirely true. Um, it is possible, maybe not likely, but it is possible. So I do think that Carolina will show us who they are. And when you're looking at overall well-roundedness of the team, they, I mean, they've got an advantage, but it's not impossible. I, I am tired of the impossible story because the national yeah. predators could very well push them to a point where I don't know, they could push them to a game seven. Who knows? But no, I, I think you're right. I, I think you're right that this could be a competitive series. I s- still don't think the predators will win it. I would put the chance of the predators winning at 25%. Again, it's not impossible because the right things can happen. Saros could get even hotter. You never know. Yeah. Uh, maybe things just don't fall for the Carolina Hurricanes because the pressure, the pressure's on them now as being a favorite. They weren't a favorite before. Now they have pressure being a favorite with a target on their back and the Predators have this vibe and feeling <laughs> going on uh, right now. So the way that that I'm looking at this is a lot of things are going to have to go in the Predators' favor and a lot of things are going to have to be done right for the Predators and almost to the point of that is perfect for them to, to win this series. Do I think they can win some games? Yes, I, I think they'll win some games. I do not think this is going to end up in a sweep. With the way that Nashville is playing, they're playing overall very good hockey right now, and it'd be extremely, I think, 
short-sighted for me to say that this is just a Carolina sweep. Yes, Carolina is extremely good. There's a reason why they're at where they're at right now. But the Predators are playing good hockey, and in a best-of-seven series, it is diff- a sweep is difficult. That's why it was such a big deal when the Predators did it to Chicago, because yeah. it is extremely difficult to win four games in a row against the same opponent when adjustments can be made, things like that. Now, here's the thing. Do not want to compare either of these teams to what happened in 2017 for the Predators. One, the Blackhawks were on the very down part of their bell curve. They were older. They had some youth, but they were much older. They had basically come to the end of their dynasty. They still were number one, but the, the, the feel wasn't there in terms of the right energy for the playoffs. Whereas the Predators were on the upswing. When you think about, you know, just Peter Laviolette coming in and had that team rolling and everything too. the previous two seasons and trying to get things going with them. You could see a difference in that team that they showed some signs of things and they never put it together. Well, they put it together in the playoffs. And that's when it matters. Mm-hmm. The Carolina Hurricanes team is in a position of like the second year under Peter Laviolette or even the third year Peter Laviolette where they're at the, the middle part of, not the middle part of the bell curve, but the middle part of the uphill swing of their bell curve. They're trending up tremendously right now. They're, the opponent for the Predators are in two completely different spots in their franchise right now. The Predators are also differently built. They're built actually a little more difficult to play against, I think, too, in terms of physicality, in terms of having a very solid fourth line, if you want to call it a fourth line. Uh, but there's still some other big question marks there that things would just have to come together in the right way for them to get a W. Again, it is not impossible. If someone's saying it's impossible, then they're just hot taking and they're just ready for the cold take machine to come after them (laughs) after the series is done. But again, the power play is going to have to get up and rolling and especially power play unit number one. Power play unit number two has not looked good all season. The only reason the Predators even got close to being average on the power play was when Ellie Tolvin and Philip Forsberg were out there just dominating and looking like they were elite players. So Tolvanen, if he's able to step up and create some extra offense, that's going to be a factor. Eric Halla played much better. That's a factor, too, because he was not playing the best before the trade deadline, which is why I was saying trade him. And then the trade deadline, he's secured in his place, and he's turned it on uh, as well. Uh, everybody getting healthy. I mean, you look, this team is the healthiest it's been since the beginning of the season. When I think about it, only two players actually in the IR, and that is uh, Lucas Spisa, who? And Mark Borowiecki, <laughs> almost who? I mean, they've been hurt the, most of their time. Uh, Bibor Vieski, I think, played, what, total of 20 games? <laughs> so not not even close to half, not, not even half a season because uh, he's been hurt. And so that means some very difficult decisions are going to come in. And that's good to be have to be in a position where difficult decisions have to be made. And head coach John Hines even said, he talked to the team before the game on Monday and said, yeah, there's resting guys, but there's an opportunity for other guys to make an impression to try to get into that game one lineup. That's why you saw a lot of battles and you saw a lot of compete out of those guys for lack of less cliche terms. Uh, yeah, that's why yeah. that's why we saw that. <laughs> yeah. Cause how bad do you want to go to be playing in that first round against Carolina? Like people have been earning, trying to their best to earn a spot there if that is how it turned out. And it did. So, but then you also, like you said, you know, you've got a Carolina team that can throw in any goaltender on their roster and feel very confident going up against Nashville. And that's a very scary thing when you are, when you're Nashville going up against them like that. But, you know, just as we've seen year after year after year in many sports, um, but especially during the NHL playoffs and how these rounds go, like you get a very good game in against Carolina and you come back with a lot of confidence and that next game could be a very, very good game too. Like, it's just, I think it's just going to be so exciting. I think especially for people who maybe don't watch either of these teams. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very exciting matchup. Um, the energy that the Carolina fan base has, the energy that the Nashville fan base has, they kind of they kind of match up beautifully. And I think it's just going to be exciting um, overall, but might be biting my nails a few nights. Yeah. You know? <laughs> how, how about this too? I forgot who I saw tweeted out, but all four teams from the Central are Southeastern slash Sunbelt teams. Oh, yeah. Yep. You have Nashville, Carolina, and then two Florida teams two Florida because teams, yeah. Columbus, Detroit, Chicago didn't make yeah. it. That's so true. Look at us go. <laughs> <laughs> look, at the, look at the South go. The South go. Uh, so one of the big questions in terms of factors, will the Nashville Predators be able to slow down the likes of Sebastian Ajo, Vincent Trocek, 
and Andrei Sveshnikov and have an answer for the type of defenseman that Dougie Hamilton is? Well, I think they have an answer in terms of Roman Yossi mm-hmm. is a big X factor there. But when you look at the point production, the Carolina Hurricanes have one, two, three, four, five players over 40 points mm-hmm. this season. That's a that's a lot. It's tough to slow down. <laughs> that's tough to slow down when you look at two in terms of goal production. They have two players over 20 goals, whereas the Predators' top goal scorers are Mikhail Glenland and Kelly Yarncrook at 13. Now, yes, Philip Forsberg got injured. Ellie Tolvanen was injured as well. So there's some question marks there of what could have been. But either way, when you look at it, Carolina Hurricanes also have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players with 10 plus goals. They have an offense that is obviously clicking, uh, and that's good for them. So the thing is, will the Predators be able to play defense the right way that we've seen them do well lately, which is you clear out the crease. That's what they had to do against Carolina, and they did it really well on Saturday's win. Clear out the crease and don't let anything be easy. And the speed and being able to adjust to the speed. John Hines has his team clicking overall really well. Yusuf Saros has the team clicking in terms of knowing that he's back there to protect the net. There are a lot of things going in Nashville's favor in terms of making it competitive, not yeah. Nashville's favor to overall win the series, but they're in Nashville's favor to wear a bounce or two in Nashville's favor that they create themselves. Because remember, puck luck is something you make on your own. That's true. Not just decided by a hockey guide for real. Exactly. Let's, let's keep it real. You make your own puck luck. Good teams make good puck luck that if they get a bounce to go their way or two, they could steal a game in the playoffs. Stealing one game can mean everything for, for teams, confidence and everything. So yeah. Glenn, let's go ahead and get to this now. Let me have your serious prediction. I'll give this too. What does your brain say and what does your heart say? Okay. So my brain says, <laughs> yeah, my brain says um, that it'll end in five. It's going to end in five games. That's what my brain says. With um, who favored? Carolina. Okay. Um, but my heart wants this. I really want it to go to a game seven. I want these two teams to be completely exhausted and then go into a game seven, just, you know, lights out, super excited, one last game left, and I want the Predators to take it. So my heart says game seven, it's literally down to the wire, and the Predators go on to the second round. But my brain says otherwise. What about you? So my my brain is telling me now that it's Hurricanes in six. Okay. And my heart tells me, oh gosh, <laughs> it's hurricanes and seven. <laughs> okay, okay. And this is, <sighs> please That's do not come. Yeah, please it's do not come so- at me saying I'm a non-believer. No, because folks, the thing because- is, is that all of this talk about like the underdog, it's not even about being a believer. It's like the predators will, like you said, make this competitive, right? But the reality is, is everything that we just said, Carolina is favored heavily for reasons. So. <laughs> For you to even say to take it to a game seven is still speaking very highly of what the Nashville Predators are going to bring. Right. And if anything, they have confidence going to next year. These young players have plenty of confidence. And would it be fun for me to be wrong? Hell yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It'd be a lot of fun for me to be wrong. This is not me hating on the Predators. Yeah, it's not me hating on the Predators or anything like that. It's just basing on the matchup. And I, I do not want to look at monday's game as the preview for this or even saturday's game saturday's game showed too when the predators have their backs against the wall and knowing they needed a win just to get in mm-hmm. their backs were against the wall and so that's why i think they do win an elimination game in this series they win an elimination game to, to stave it off and to force another one because they have shown now too a lot more mental fortitude and that was a term in the very beginning of the season that john Hines put out there mental fortitude that they can put it together when things are on the line they're like we're not going to wait for dallas to lose for us to get in we're going to go out and get a win ourselves and that's that's a lot of good, positive energy to take into the next season, no matter how far they go. I've seen what they're able to accomplish with such a tumultuous start to the season that they were able to battle in and actually make the playoffs and do it on their own, do it themselves. They won a game. They did it themselves and have to wait for another team to let them in. That gives a lot of confidence, too, when you're able to say we did it on our own. We yep. did it on our own. So we'll see what happens uh, would be. Fun to be wrong, uh, should be competitive, it should be fun. And let me know what, let us let us know. Let us know what your predictions are. She's at Rebecca Glenn on Twitter. I'm at Justin B. Bradford and at Penalty Box Radio. Whew, up next, 
Let's uh, change gears a little bit. We have Cam Angus. He was just named to the Israel Elite Hockey League, a Hendersonville product. Also played his college hockey at Eastern Kentucky, and he's going overseas to play hockey this summer. So we'll talk to him up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Uh, changing it up a little bit, and we've been talking playoffs and playoff preview and everything, but this is really exciting uh, for something that is going to be happening uh, over in Europe, and that is the Israeli Hockey League is, is getting up and going, and a local product from Hendersonville played his college hockey in Eastern Kentucky. He is going to be going over and playing with the Batyam Dolphins, out of the Israel Elite Hockey League. And we have Cam Angus joining us right now. Cam, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So this is obviously really exciting news that it's we, we hear things, but little tours going on, whether it could be through through Asia or Australia, where they invite uh, Americans, Canadians to come out and play and everything. But for Israel to be putting this together, just what's that excitement level for you and something that's so unique like this? It's really exciting. So my heritage, I am Jewish. Um, so to be able to go to Israel and have the opportunity to play hockey and kind of get in touch with my roots a little bit more, it's just, it's perfect. I couldn't be happier to go play. And Cam, I want to go back to the moment that you found out that you were going to be playing in the debut season of this Israel Elite Hockey League. Um, what was the process leading up to that? And kind of like, what was going through your mind when you found this out? Was it a phone call? Was it an email? Just how did that all transpire? So my sister sent me this like webpage and it was like, oh, we're the Israeli elite hockey league. We're throwing this together and we're looking for like 30 imports to come over, fill out your registration. Um, so I filled it out and I was like, OK, you know, we'll see what comes of it. You know, just kind of throwing darts and seeing where they land. And um, a couple of days later, I got a phone call from a Texas number and I thought it was a telemarketer, but it turns out it was just the WhatsApp and it was a guy in Israel um, introduced himself as the head of the league and said that they would love to have me over there. And we talked back and forth and it was really exciting. Um, I am a Gemini though. So I have the twins that always go back. So one side is like, Oh, this is great. This is great. And then the other side is like, Oh man, you're going to go overseas. Like, <laughs> so super excited to go play um but yeah it was a really cool feeling to know that I would be able to go play hockey again and then as he kept explaining what the league was I just got more and more excited about it so do you know anybody personally that's going to be going over there too or is this just going to be completely new for you as far as familiar faces around not a clue <laughs> not a clue so <laughs> they I love said it they said they had about 400 applicants um, and so they only took 30. And so they're taking people from the United States, from Canada. Um, I saw the other day, a guy got signed out of France, uh, a couple from Germany. So all over the world. And then oddly enough, another signing from my team was a guy from university of Louisville or Lowellville for the lucky people. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was the coolest thing ever, like two Kentucky Jewish kids going to play in Israel. No, that's, that's pretty exciting news. And again, it's Cam Angus joining us here on Penalty Box Radio, going to be playing with the Batyam Dolphins of the Israel Elite Hockey League, which is going to be launched this summer. Uh, just a little background, it's an independent league run through the Israel National Hockey Society. And there's going to be four teams, four clubs, uh, by the league, it's uh, HC Tel Aviv, the Jerusalem Capitals, the Holon Vipers, and the Batyam Dolphins. Hopefully, I, I try to say that correctly, the Holon. You got it. You added the there little flint so you yeah. nailed it. <laughs> so it's a nonprofit corporation that exists to support, promote, and grow the sport of hockey in Israel, which is always great to see the sport growing like that. So, Cam, let's, let's take it now to what experience that's not hockey related because this is going to be overseas you're going to be around guys that you don't know and forming new connections with teammates and everything which is always an exciting time too to form connections especially through the sport of hockey I and mean, that's what makes it unique right there too so what are some of the things you're looking forward to experiencing that aren't necessarily on the ice um so it's a birthright style trip so not only do we have the hockey uh but we also get field trips so We'll be there for the seasons a month. So we have a weekly field trip. I think our first one is to the Dead Sea. 
which is pretty cool. So we get to go into some salt water and float around. Um, and then I'm pretty sure we're going to go to the wall, which is, I mean, a very holy site. And like I said, just getting to, you know, touch back to my roots. So um, I have been to Israel before, but I was like 14. So I didn't really appreciate everything that was in front of me. And now being a little bit older, a little bit more mature to have the experience to go and see everything. I'm really excited about it. That, that is really exciting. If anyone wants more information, they go to israelhockey.com. They even have merch. So if you want to support Cam and get some merch for the Batyam Dolphins, they have that stuff there, which I'm sure there's going to be plenty of that in Hendersonville, Tennessee. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> Customizable jersey. I'm not you- sure what number I'm rocking yet, but whenever we figure it out, customize that jersey <laughs> uh so so let's let's look back to at your career because i mean you played your high school hockey here then you played for eastern kentucky in terms of the experience too and, and you're a few years removed from this uh started out in 2010 playing your high school hockey for hendersonville how much have you seen the sport grow in middle tennessee and especially in terms of high school hockey and then even the college hockey product since you played eastern kentucky how have you seen that the sport grow in the southeast the caliber of talent it's ridiculous um so granted i mean this my birth year the 95s like we're pretty decent i mean we had a few kids go pretty far but now like with those 2000 birth years i mean it's crazy how good these kids are around here um and then just the coaches that have come back so with that new program out of nolensville like marty erat's coaching ryan smith is coaching like ryan smith edmonton oiler like legend um so you know the caliber of coaches that are here and just what we're producing with you know people going d1 um it's just, it's awesome to see how far it's come and now you played your college hockey at eastern kentucky part of the acha uh d2 and d3 there and now eastern kentucky will be joining the secchc this is still another club league but did you ever think you'd see the day where your alma mater would be a part of the southeastern collegiate hockey conference So it's funny, like we, my first two years at Eastern, we were independent. So we were, you know, just kind of making our own schedule. Like there was one weekend where we drove all the way to St. Louis in a van, like terrible, (laughs) horrible. Um, So that was pretty far. And then just going up to like the upper part of Michigan and over to Virginia. So just you know, trying to get games wherever we could find them. And then my senior year, we got to join an Indiana conference, which was a little bit easier to have those games lined up. The road trips were a little closer, but now to for them to join the SEC and just, you know, the talent that's in that conference and all the teams that are just right there, it's going to make everyone that much better, I feel like. I can only imagine the recruiting. Like you said, the the talent in the Southeast continues to grow and it gets really competitive with recruiting. So that's going to be exciting times for Eastern Kentucky. I know we're glad in the SECAC to have Eastern Kentucky finally involved and in, in, in the conference too, because it just keeps adding to the, the, the reach and the expansion of that. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of Middle Tennessee products going on to Eastern Kentucky because they'll see an alum like you playing internationally and go, where do you play as college hockey? I want to go there too. Uh, so before I have to let you go, we love it when we're able to ask uh, folks that people may not be as familiar with. We want to do a lightning round to help people get to know you a little bit better and maybe some of your teammates uh, over there at the Batyam Dolphins will listen to this later and get to know you a little bit better before they meet you. So I'll hand it over to Glenn. All right. Ready. All right, Cam, an arena that you would love to play in one day. Oh, um, any arena or just like NHL mm-hmm. arena? Any. Um, I don't know, like I feel like the Staples Center is a pretty cool arena, just like all the history that's been done there, just how big it is. And I really like their goal horn. So probably that one. That's a good reason. That is. <laughs> all right. Your go-to karaoke song. Oh, I'm a pretty bad singer. So <laughs> karaoke is something that I stay away from. Um, but whenever it comes to shower karaoke, um, oh, what's it called? I really like Send Me On My Way. Okay. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be singing that in my head for the rest of the day. Um, the first sporting event that you remember going to as a child? Um, first sporting event. First sporting event. He's on the spot. Uh, right we used now. to go to Titans games a lot, so that's okay. a pretty big memory. But 
the one that like sits out the most is we took a family vacation whenever I was like four or five to Chicago and watched the Blackhawks and Red Wings. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, that was a good one. All right. Your favorite sports team growing up? Um, all of them. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I had a Ducks jersey growing up, so that was a good one. Um, mm-hmm. And then always like the Preds, just the hometown team. Yep. So probably one of those two I'd go with. That's fair. All right. If somebody made a movie about you, who would you want to play you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm getting uh-huh. Owen Wilson. I'm getting Owen Wilson vibes. I mean, yeah, we both have interesting noses. Like, I can no, even that. even the way you talk is kind of cool too. It's not laid back I'm and everything. Vince Vaughn fan, like I like him. Okay, um, I, I think like, he would be a good choice, or you know, maybe like depending on the movie. Like, I feel like Seth Rogen. Like, we're both pretty okay. funny. <laughs> Um, similar interests. I won't go into that, but um. <laughs> I have a feeling Cam is more of a Vince Vaughn type of guy when he's on the ice and how he chirps. <laughs> I, can, uh, yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've heard like whenever my sister did that one podcast, you got to hear a little bit of them. But oh yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and last but not least, what was the, your favorite TV or binge during quarantine? Oh man. Um, I'm a cartoon guy. So like, you know, most people, it was like Ozark or the office. I've never seen the office. Like I've only watched like five minutes of an episode and that was it. I never watched. um, What was the other big one that everyone's obsessed with? With the all American was another one. The the ice winter is coming, whatever that one was. Oh, game of Thrones. Yeah. Never watched that one, but (laughs) my favorite, um, probably Brickleberry. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's new to me. I've, I haven't even heard of this. I'm that's, have to look the, that's the Tosh one, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very yeah. wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, 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 I do have one then too, because uh, your favorites have been really interesting because you're not, you're just definitely not like the hometown one, like, oh, it spreads all the way. So I'm curious then in terms of favorite sports movie, if it's even a hockey movie. Favorite sports movie. Um, uh probably the longest yard <laughs> see I, I knew it would not be hockey i knew i had a feeling well and it's only because a lot of the hockey movies are really bad like <laughs> if you ever like if you know hockey and you watch the mighty ducks i mean the flying bee oh. is offsides every time <laughs> oh the new mighty ducks game changers it's really funny because even my girlfriend who is a, is a casual hockey fan will watch it and be like that's a penalty isn't it they can't do that right i'm like no they really can't but it's the drama for mighty ducks (laughs) and i mean like i love this sport but it's just like okay hockey movies are hard like slapshot was cool the handsome brothers um but yeah i'd have to go with the longest yard that's just okay no that's fair that's fair and even in miracle what they had to do with their shots they had to turn some hockey players into quasi actors so they could get the skating right and then they had to do some quick cuts to make sure they're getting hockey when the actors weren't skating yeah had to get creative but well well cam we're very proud of you and it's awesome that you're going to be representing uh not only hendersonville but the state of tennessee and the united states and going over to play in the israel elite hockey league we can't wait to see what happens this summer uh for you and the experience you're going to have we'll have to make sure to follow up with you so congratulations again we're very proud of you and thanks for joining us thanks for having me Right, everyone, Cam Angus, uh, Hendersonville hockey product. So, I mean, he grew up here. It's awesome to see that and going over to play internationally for the Israeli Hockey League. So really exciting news there for him to to go off and and play hockey in Israel. Uh, yeah, Glenn, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, playing overseas yeah. has got to be a dream for a, lot of the, for a lot of these folks. You know it has to be. And what a unique experience, like you said, to be narrowed down from so many people um, to only having a few selected and going over there not knowing anyone. And then just picking up with a brand new team, uh, making new friends over in a different country. I mean, that's got to be so exciting. So we're super, super proud of him and super excited to see how it all turns out. I know it's super exciting for them over there to be launching this this summer um, and for him to get to be a part of that first season is just awesome. Absolutely. Okay, up next, your questions. We will do our best to answer them. Up next, Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. All right, good to talk to Cam Angus there, and big congratulations to him. Really exciting. Uh, let's get to our, our questions here, Glenn. 
This one comes in from Gary. Uh, Nashville to lift capacity restrictions on May 14th. Is Bridgestone Arena back to 100% after the 14th? Well, let's let's look at this. So what's going to be happening for the playoffs is the Predators are going to be increasing to a 12,135-person crowd inside. Uh, that's very, very close to capacity when you think about it because the current capacity is 17,159. So you think only 5,000. on the percentage, so. Yeah, I, to me, it's just like, ooh, 5,000 empty seats. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I have a difficult time believing that they'd be a full cap anytime before June. I mean, they, you want to do it in phases and stagger it. So I think it'd be seeing and checking out how everything reacts inside the arena, how the the systems are reacting in terms of getting the, the filled air filtration system, concessions, security, everything. This is going to be the first time in over a year that they're going to be having this many people enter that building. So it's going to take a lot of retraining. It's going to take a lot of things that it's not just going to, I don't really don't think it'd be just a week long thing. They've got to get so many more concession stands open, more cleaning crews as well too. And I'm sure they're very excited that because one people are getting their jobs back, which is very exciting. Uh, But it's, it's going to be, it's a staggered phased type of thing, phase reopening. So it's, it's going to be huge for the team to build off of in terms of crowd energy. Uh, but I really think you are still a few weeks away from full capacity, especially for being indoors. If it was outdoors, I think they'd be at full capacity starting for playoffs, but being indoors, there's a, probably a little bit more hesitation on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they're just going to take all the necessary steps that they have to take in order to get to that hundred percent so that when they do open the doors for hundred percent, they're actually ready for the 100 percent to be back right. because people will be there and as soon as they're yeah. ready for 100 percent, they're going to show up and they're going to make sure that they're just they're 100 percent ready before they do that no doubt okay this one comes from dave will the entire taxi squad become black aces where they have to drop a few uh when it comes to the playoffs just keep in mind that the salary cap doesn't mean a thing so they can have as many from all i know they can have as many players up as they want and I'm sure they will, depending on how Chicago season goes with the with the Wolves and how they're doing, they're just they're adjusted things. Uh, so they'll probably get as many guys as they can to be practicing with them, and you'll have your core group and your practice group and things like that. But they're they're going to want as many players ready just in case. But that's been a good thing. This taxi squad, you've seen plenty of guys just step right up. Uh, yeah. So the taxi squad, I think you immediately rename them back to the Black Aces. Let's get back to normal when it comes to naming mechanisms, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one comes from Sean. Is Connor McDavid good at hockey? Glenn, what's your answer? <laughs> um, Sean? Um, yeah, let's talk about this. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. That's it. <laughs> the answer is Connor McDavid. I'm he- glad that you asked though, because a lot of people I know are very unsure about this. Oh yeah, totally. We're the experts. So oh. we're, here to break, we're here to break the news to you. Um Connor freaking I mean, McDavid, 54 games played, 102 points. It's very, very, very <laughs> exciting to be alive in the time that Connor McDavid is playing hockey. It really is because it is a absolute joy to watch as a hockey fan as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's a pure joy to watch. Let's put this in perspective. Okay, let's put this into some perspective. Connor McDavid in 2016-17 had 100 points in 82 games. In 82 games, okay. In 1718, in 82 games, he had 108 points. He had injuries in 1920, but still had 97 points in 64 games. And then in 2020, 2021, this dude goes and puts up 102 points in 54 games. The pace for that in an 82 game season. I can't even calculate. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, he is very good at hockey and let's move on. Uh, this one comes from uh, Shay. What do you think about Seattle's first contract with Luke Henman? Yes. Congratulations to the Seattle Kraken making their very first signing. So the lines are looking like Henman, 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 Henman. But that's so, it's so exciting to be the first. Right? It is. It's, it's going to be one of those trivial history questions for, for NHL be. history. It's going to be a trivia question in some sort of sports history, whether it's trivial pursuit, or if you're at the bar doing history, it's going to be one of those things. Yeah, it's super exciting. I know some of the staff within the Kraken have come from the Hurricanes organization, so it kind of makes sense um, 
and similar to how Reed Duke went over in 2017 to Vegas. So I think it's just awesome because I know in this situation, I can't remember how it was in Vegas if they already had the farm team set up, but that's still to be determined, right? So it's kind right. of like he's he's the very first one to sign on with the Kraken, but he's also kind of the start to that farm system for whoever the right. NHL partner club is. So um, super exciting, exciting for him. Uh, that just has to be that has to be awesome for the rest of your life. You're like, I was the very first. The very first. Of so, the Kraken. Luke Henneman, he's a center. He's six feet, 168 pounds. So he has some beef to put on. He's been playing in the queue with the Blainesville uh, Bosbriand Armada. He was the captain for the past two seasons as well. Uh, this season, 43 points in 32 games, which is obviously impressive to be over a point per game player. Uh, last season, 74 points in 63 games. So he is definitely an impressive player. He was originally drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes in round four uh, in 2018 at 96 overall. So that's exciting. Very exciting for the Seattle Kraken to get their first play in the organization. Still have the head coach. I'm sure that's going to come as soon as the offseason starts or something like that. They probably already have things lined up, I would assume. All right, last question I want to get to. This one comes from our, our friend of the show, Scott Wren. And I want to save this one for last because I figure this could be fun to answer. And this year's first round matchups, which one excites you the most? Uh, without a doubt, the two that are going to be my favorites, Minnesota, Colorado, and Maple Leafs, Canadiens. I haven't seen those two play since 1979. Um, Glenn, do you want to go first? Yeah, I actually agree with Scott on the Maple Leafs and Canadians. That is, that's very exciting just for hockey. Yes. Um, both of those markets. I mean, and I think that Toronto is going to take it and I think that it's going to be huge for them, but I'm, I am super excited about the Maple Leafs and Canadians matchup. Yeah. That, that is one for me for sure. Just given the history. And I mean, when you look at those two matchups, Ontario and Quebec are just going to it's what's going to be yeah. like for about two weeks <laughs> i can only imagine the other one for me is florida tampa it's mm -hmm. the first time meeting in the playoffs those two teams obviously have a natural in-state rivalry yeah they especially all the teams playing each other so much right now this season it's grudge match central and they do not like each other whatsoever and you they're can, both can... so good so it's gonna yes. be going to be yes. entertaining. both so good and very entertaining and i'm curious to see too especially because tampa the defending stanley cup champions but florida a very very good team joel quenville knows what he's doing there they're a very fast mm -hmm. team of a lot of good young talent this is an opportunity for alexander barkov to be on the national stage as mm -hmm. well and to show off his talent jonathan huberto as well, those two guys to be on the national stage like this, especially against playing the defending Stanley Cup champions, they're going to get talked about a little bit more because people are going to be watching Tampa and what they're able to do. Yeah. So I'm very excited for that matchup. And we saw already to close the season, those teams face each other. And there were definitely some skirmishes. So I can only imagine how heightened that's going to be in the playoffs. So just excited to see some of these matchups, but especially, yeah, Maple Leafs, Canadiens, Panthers, and lightning are the two for me that there's no doubt about that and i'm curious just to see what happens in the west i mean you have vegas and colorado out there uh, battling to win that division overall to who's going to represent in the, the semifinal from that division very very good hockey teams out there and you never know minnesota could surprise people as well uh it could so you're telling uh, me that you're not thrilled about edmonton and winnipeg meh <laughs> very very meh shocking, shocking. <laughs> all right folks if you missed anything penaltyboxradio.com make sure you're subscribed to us on itunes spotify google stitch wherever you get your podcast you get every podcast we have in our library and you'll get updates whenever we post new things all right for glenn blackwell this is justin bradford thank you so much for tuning to penalty box radio and hey we'll talk to you next week most likely after at least one game has been played in this series. Thanks for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.